Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Bears Brothers podcast and postgame show, the place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready, because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. Our busy week continues as we are rolling right through Week 10, as it's time to begin our official game preview for this week's matchup against the 3-5 Detroit Lions, a team that we're 1-9 against since 2013. In this episode, we'll take a deep look into these two teams, how they stack up on both sides of the ball, hand out some predictions, and tell you who we have winning this week. And to help me preview our second divisional game of the year, I have both of my both of my Bears brothers right here with me. I have Brandon Hazlett and Nicholas Moriano. Brothers, how's Lions Week treating you? Yeah, not so well. I had to actually go to the doctor because I was tired of being sick. So uh, hopefully we're on the right side of this now that I've been there. So uh, hopefully by Sunday I'll be in much uh, higher spirits and a little more energy. Do you have prescription medication? I do. Fantastic. You'll be fine by Sunday, no doubt. Okay. What about you, Nick? How's Lions Week? Uh, it's going well. Uh, it's been a pretty slow work week, so that's always great. But, uh, man, we've been just cranking out podcasts one after the other. I love it. So many pods. No, it's a lot of fun. It really is. <laughs> it's uh, it's good to get on the grind. Uh, speaking of the grind, are you ready to break down this game? Absolutely. All right, let's get to it. And I want to begin today's show by taking a look at the Bears' defense. They're coming off two strong performances against the Jets and the Bills. And, of course, we know those are the Jets and Bills. Things are a little bit different this week. And it's time to hopefully keep up that level of play against Matthew Stafford and the Detroit Lions. Now, of course, a big boost is that all signs are pointing towards a return of the Mac as Khalil is practicing full this week. And now I think the answer here is going to be obvious, but I have to ask it anyway. What do you expect from this Bears defense now with Khalil Mack back out there on the field? And Nick, kick that off. I mean, getting Khalil Mack is going to be a huge boost for the Bears defense just because of the caliber player that he is. And this is a offensive line for the Lions that we all know gave up 10 sacks last week. And even the week previous against the Seattle Seahawks, they gave up two sacks there. But there's a lot of common 
uh, ground with why they're giving up these sacks. So it's encouraging that they're going to get the Bears are going to get a Khalil Mack back. They're getting Leonard Floyd, who's had a couple of good games now. Defense is coming together, so it's going to be a good matchup. But the, the Bears are getting healthy, and it's at the perfect time right now. It really is. No, having Khalil Mack back now, you know, coming into this very critical stretch of the season, it's going to be huge for this team. And I'm very excited to see just how he can boost this defense. I mean, we saw it in the first four weeks what a healthy Khalil Mack can do within Vic Fangio's system. And, you know, he's had, since last time we've seen him, he's had a few weeks to just sit back, get healthy, and even more importantly, digest his playbook just a little bit more. So Khalil Mack, of course, returning is going to be huge for this defense. Brandon, can you phrase this in any other way besides uh, it's just going to be a big boost? It's just nice to have everybody be healthy. Uh, we're going to see what they look like now as a unit at full 100% health, which is nice. You guys mentioned Cleo Mack, but even Leonard Floyd, Aaron Lynch, who, you know, he had, knock on wood, hasn't had any injury issues uh, during the regular season, but we know how he was during training camp preseason. He wasn't there. Uh, it's nice to just be able to have everybody back uh, at full strength for this defense to see what really this defense is made of if that's already a pretty good unit. And we can't forget about Bilal Nichols, even though he is a rookie. He's yes. coming back and he's been he's made some contributions this season. So it is good to have everyone at full strength. It is. You know, Brandon's getting back to 100 percent. Cleo Mack. I mean, of course, everything is coming back. Uh, all the stars are aligning for us and, of course, our Bears. But sticking with the pass rush here in the two weeks without Mack, Leonard Floyd, Aaron Lynch, they were able to tally 14 total pressures and one sack between the two. And the Detroit Lions, the offense line, they give up on average about 13 pressures per game. And, of course, we all know just how bad that unit fared last week against Minnesota. So, Brandon, Mr. Trenches, over to you. What are some of those matchups that you're going to be watching up front for the Bears defense? There's really not one in particular that scares me because now with, like, we just talked about with all these guys being healthy and a unit that just gave up 10 sacks. Like, I'm not really looking at this offensive line in an all-too-serious tone because, I mean, why, why should we? They don't have a reason to really you know, pose much of a threat. I think this is one that regardless who's on the line, I'd like to see Eddie Goldman uh, be one uh, particular guy. Uh, Cause he only has one sack on the year. Uh, but if he can get back in there, I'd really boost his confidence as well as being a pass rusher. We know how good he is in stopping the run, but let's see him be able to get in there and get in the backfield. Uh, that's, you know, one guy that I'm particularly looking at, but as far as like the Lions' offensive line goes, it's not one that I'm uh, taking overly seriously. And I don't know if I'm going to be mistaken by that come Sunday or not, uh, but regardless with everyone being healthy, I really would like to see the guys in the middle uh, step up a little bit more. Keem Hicks, Eddie Goldman. But for the most part, there's not really one individual matchup. Because I think this is one the Bears will just absolutely take care of. What about you, Nick? Do you have one that you're paying attention to that you think the Bears can really exploit? Oh, yeah. Just watching the film, going obviously to the Minnesota Vikings game, Taylor Decker, their left tackle, he struggled in that game. And he struggled against pass rushers that can use some finesse kind of moves. It reminded me of Leonard Floyd. If he's able to go match up one-on-one -on -one with him, and I think it's going to be Mack who primarily does it. So whichever one, pick or poison, I think that's a matchup that the Bears can definitely exploit. Taylor Decker gave up a lot of pressures. And again, Floyd is coming up a little bit with his production. Max coming back. That's exactly what you want to see. And another good matchup that's going to maybe determine how well the Lions are able to run the football is going to be with their center. Graham uh, Glasgow, he's a, he's a pretty good player, and that's going to be most likely Eddie Goldman uh, opposite of him, maybe even Akeem Hicks. But that's a matchup I'm also looking at in terms of the trenches. Awesome stuff there. Yeah, I think that you're going to see Khalil Mack on Rick Wagner. I think you're going to see Mack back in that original side of the line of scrimmage that he was um, for the first few games this season. But, of course, we'll see Vic Fangio usually likes to 
throw some wrinkles at us every single week. But for me, one that I'm looking at that hasn't been mentioned yet, uh, Bilal Nichols versus uh, Frank Ragnow. I think that uh, when you're looking at Ragnow, he's been one of their better run blockers so far this season. And Nick, you talked about the Lions' ability to establish a run. And I think Bilal Nichols coming back, getting healthy, this will be a big matchup. And of course, when I'm talking about Nichols, uh, you can also add in a Roy Robertson-Harris, a John Bullard in this discussion as well because they kind of all rotate at that position. Uh, so for me, just looking at that left side of the Detroit offensive line between Taylor Decker, Taylor Decker and Frank Ragnow, I think that those two, um, if the Bears can find a way to put them under some duress, it should bode very well for the Chicago Bears defense. And now looking at Matthew Stafford, he's having an average year statistics-wise. You know, he, Matthew Stafford, he always does a great way of being average but not overly spectacular. And now, of course... He is without his go-to guy in Golden Tate. He was recently traded to the Eagles. In in his first game without Tate, Stafford threw for a season low 5.5 yards per pass and, of course, sacked that whopping 10 times without that security blanket. He's also only thrown for 300 yards just once in his last four games, and in two of his last four, he's thrown for under 200 yards. And he does have six interceptions on a year, but four of those came in week one. So, guys, I want to know, what are your keys to the Bears' defense limiting Matthew Stafford in this game? Because last year, he played rather well against us. He had four touchdowns, two per game, no interceptions, and a pass rating of about 117. So how do we change that this week um, against Matthew Stafford? I know the defense is better than it was a year ago, and that's going to help things. But, Nick, if you're looking at some specific ways to do it, what should the Bears do? Well, obviously the pass rush, and uh, that's always going to affect any kind of quarterback. But with Matthew Stafford, he has this tendency to make plays and extend plays. Uh, you can look back to the Seattle Seahawks game two weeks ago before that Minnesota Vikings game where Matthew Stafford looks like he's about to get sacked, but then he escapes the pressure, finds a Marvin Jones down the field for a touchdown. That's what Matthew Stafford can kind of do. He can make these plays happen out of nowhere, just uh, make them up on the spot, really. And he's he's been good at that for the longevity of his career. So the Bears... Whatever it is, whether they if they can't bring down Stafford on the initial rush, it's going to depend on those secondary players to really stick to their assignment, stick to their player as long as they possibly can until the pass rush does get there, until Matthew Stafford maybe throws a, makes a mistake or whatever it may be. But Matthew Stafford can't extend plays, so the Bears need to be a, can do a good job in one containing him and making sure that those plays don't end up hurting that defense because, he, like I said, he's pretty good at it, and he'll definitely exploit it if he sees it happen on Sunday. Absolutely. Containing him is going to be huge for this defense. And on top of that, uh, the secondary needs to give him no easy decisions, really make him force a throw. Don't give him any easy reads because last week without that security blanket, that go-to guy, he had to hold on to it for just a little bit more. And that's a big reason why uh, the Vikings put him on the turf time and time again. So if you can shut down the outside guys and just take away an easy check down, and like you mentioned, uh, kind of corral him in the pocket as well, not really allow him to maneuver so much. Um, I really don't see much issue, issue this week with uh, Matthew Stafford. Again, he's been average uh, in terms of his career kind of averages, and I don't really anticipate him to light up this defense by any means so far this year. Uh, let's go over to Brandon. Uh, do you have anything else on Stafford? I think really just kind of adding to your point, uh, find a way to throw off the timing, whether it's jamming the receivers at the line or throwing different looks at him, different reads, things of that nature, make him think a little bit more because he can't extend those plays like Nick was talking about. And, you know, he said that, you know, he was having an average year. Uh, but for some reason, when we face Matthew Stafford, he just seems to find a way to beat the Bears. Uh, so until we actually can stop him on a regular basis, I'm not going to necessarily take him lightly. So I think it's really going to come down to the pass rush and finding a way to disrupt the timing on the on the routes. 
Yeah, I think the last time we beat them was with Brian Hoyer under center in one of those games a couple of years ago. And like I said, one and nine in the last 10. I mean, that's a very poor mark. So, yeah, obviously he's been finding ways. But he hasn't faced this defense yet. So I'm excited to see exactly how this defense can kind of throw him fits, uh, like the Bears defense did early on in his career. So hopefully we can kind of get back to that. Now, looking back at some of the battles in the secondary, on the outside, you have Marvin Jones Jr. and Kenny Galladay. Those two combined for 65 catches for roughly 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns this year. And they averaged 15 yards per catch, too, which is an insane number just between two receivers. Now, of course, without Golden Tate, there's not much of a slot threat on this team. So, Brandon, over to you first. Um, Which of these matchups through the air are you circling towards kickoff? I'm circling uh, Marvin Jones. Just He's a bigger guy. He's almost Calvin Johnson-esque as far as what he can do, go up and make the 50-50 catches, uh, things of that nature. And I think that Kyle Fuller up against him would be a very good matchup uh, because we've seen Kyle Fuller just play very lights out the last couple weeks. He's playing with a lot of confidence. Let's put him up against a guy that might challenge him a little bit. Uh, I don't have Marvin Jones' stats in front of me from last year when they went up against Kyle Fuller and Prince Mukamara, but I think that's a a good matchup to watch because Kyle Fuller, I think, would definitely be up for that challenge. Yeah, I mean, of course, they stick to their side, so it depends exactly where they would put him. But regardless, either outside corner, it's going to be a big test of Corral, Marvin Jones Jr. Uh, Going over to Nick now, uh, do you have another one? You know, when you take out Golden Tate and then you only have to focus on, you know, Marvin Jones Jr. and Galladay, that makes things a lot simpler. So I don't really have a matchup when when it comes to what these Lions receivers bring are bringing to the table now, because last week against the Vikings, that Lions offense just looked lost when that security blanket, Golden Tate, wasn't there. There were a lot of passes just watching the film that were thrown in the middle of the field. All of it was towards the sidelines. So if you can lock down Galladay and Jones, and I think the Bears corners are up to a task, like Brandon was just saying, you know, Matthew Stafford's day is not going to look as, as easy as it has been in the past couple of years coming and facing this Bears defense. So I don't really have a specific matchup, but I think that Golden Tate, you know, trading him off to the Philadelphia Eagles, that's really impacting what the Lions want to do. I mean, they, they brought in Brandon Marshall for a workout. They're trying to figure out ways. They're getting desperate. Anytime you ask Brandon Marshall to come on, he's been on team from team year to year. That's that's how you know that it's kind of a bad situation. Yes, they still have some good playmakers, but I'm not all too worried with this matchup and what they're bringing to the table at wide receiver. No, you hit it right on. Without Golden Tate, they have to focus on the outside. And the good thing for the Bears is they have really uh, they have two very strong outside corners in Kyle Fuller, Princeton Mokamara. And honestly, it's going to be a mixture of stopping Jones Jr. and, of course, Galladay. And I'm circling Galladay just a little bit more. Um, he does lead the team with eight catches of 20-plus. He's averaging 15 eight yards per catch by himself. And he also leads the Lions with 29 first downs game. So for me, I think, obviously, stopping him is going to be key. Um, but he hasn't been really the same player he was early on in the year. You're looking at his last few games against Minnesota, Seattle, Miami. They've held him in check rather well. So he's still someone who is not overly... Uh, concerning me, but he is someone who has the talent that you just can't, of course, ignore. But again, the Bears, they don't have many people to pay attention to, so there's no way they're going to actually ignore him out there on the field. And just one more, uh, of course, Kieran Johnson, Theo Riddick coming out of the backfield because they have 54 catches between them for roughly 350 yards. And we've seen it in the past this season where some running backs can kind of break loose in some of these you know, quick dump-offs in the flat. So for the Bears to have sound open field tackling against these two backs, it's going to go a long way to the Bears' success or failure on defense this week. So just watch those running backs as well. And lastly, let's go ahead and take a look at what the Lions have been able to do on the ground. I just talked about the rookie Johnson. He's averaging nearly six yards per carry. And he's busted out five rushes of 20-plus this season. 
Um, but he also has been held in check over the last two weeks, despite averaging 14 touches per game. Uh, Johnson, he's been splitting time with LeGarrette Blunt. Um, he's averaging only 2.7 yards per rush, uh, but he's that goal line back. He has three touchdowns this year, all of which came within one yard. Um, but he's dealing with a knee injury, I know, this week, so we'll see exactly his status for Sunday. Um, but just to bring it up, last year in his one game against us, he rushed for nearly 100 yards on 15 carries. So, of course, he's someone who has success against this defense. But the Bears' run defense is way ahead of where it was this time a year ago. Now, the Bears' defense, they've been stout when it comes to stopping the run, only giving up 100 rushing yards in one game this year in Miami. Of course, a game that we all took down a trip to go watch. Um, but still, no rushing touchdowns from running backs, that is, uh, with that quarterback sneak from uh, Nathan Peterman last week, given up this year. So I want to know, and Nick, I'll go over to you first. Do you think the Lions will be a good test this week? And I want to know, like, what are your expectations for the Bears' run defense against Detroit? You know, if the Bears cannot contain the edge, then the Lions will have some success running the football because I've seen a lot of on Johnson runs go to the edge, and that's where he's able to pick up those big those big yardage. That's a great stat. Could I actually th- throw in a few yeah, stats right to back ahead. that up? Because I was looking at the same thing, and I was looking at the splits. They're averaging 8.1 yards per carry when they go towards the left sideline yep. and about 6 yards per carry to the right. So like you said, containing the edge is going to be huge. Yeah, so I mean – a game where the Lions had success running the football, especially to that left side like we were just talking about, against Miami. They did a very good job. I think it was on their very first drive for the Lions. We were able to get those big yardage uh, running the football. So if the Bears can't contain the edge, then yes, this could be a problem. But you get Cleo Mack back, and Leonard Floyd has been doing a better job the past two weeks setting the edge. I think the Bears are set up to stop that. And then you also have your inside linebackers that – Flow probably arguably the best in the league right now, sideline to sideline with the speed that they have. So I don't see the Lions being able to get to the edge to get those big yardage to then have the running game be a factor. So with that being said, with the Bears taking that out of the equation, I don't think they can run between the tackles very effectively. There's been times, there's been times this season, but for the most part, they want to have success going to be on the edge, and I just don't think they'll get that in this matchup. Yeah, another reason why it's huge to have Khalil Mack back because it's not just a great pass rusher, but a great run defender, someone who can really set the edge consistently. And once they do that and they can force some of these runs back inside, funnel them back up, like you said, those inside linebackers, they've been eating all season long. And if you can do that, I don't really anticipate Detroit having much success on the ground. So, if, yeah, I'm right along with you there. Really good stuff there. What about you, B? Anything else? Let's not forget we have two good safeties who are also good in run defense that can help set that edge as far as getting out there in space if it fails to get set. Uh, so let's, you know, those those are good stats to throw out there, but let's keep in mind with all these linebackers and guys in the front seven, we have two very good safeties that can come down and help out as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right, B, I'll let you uh, start this one off. Do you have anything else left in your notes, uh, either about the Bears defense, Lions offense, that you want to make sure our listeners know heading into this game? Uh, I stressed it really at the beginning of this segment. I'm just really not worried about this Lions offense. Look at how they performed last week without Golden Tate. Uh, it's it's almost like a different offense. And I actually had to look and see who the offensive coordinator still was. It is still Jim Bob Cooter because, I mean, the offense from last year looks a little different than it did last week. So he's going to have to figure out a way to get the ball in Matthew Stafford's hands uh, a little bit quicker in this one, I think. All right. How about you, Nick? Yeah, I have a couple of things here. Just from watching the tape, look, the Lions offensive line really struggles when opposing defenses run stunts. And this is going to be a great opportunity for the Bears to do that because they don't, I like I said, I don't think they're going to get the rushing game going. So this is a great opportunity to run those stunts because with a stunt, when you run it, you're more susceptible to bigger runs. But with the Lions not having much success between the tackles, this is a great opportunity for these defensive linemen, even these linebackers to do that, confuse these offensive linemen, 
to get to Matthew Stafford. That's another thing. And then one thing that I also saw the Lions struggle with is that nickel blitz. Uh, they brought it last week between the Minnesota Vikings. Vic Fangio loves to bring Bryce Callahan off the edge. So I think Vic Fangio will definitely incorporate that. This game, I think Vic Fangio is going to be the most creative with what he's calling than he's ever been because of the offense that he's facing, especially with a line that has struggled the past two weeks and seeing what they struggle with with bringing nickel blitzes. This is a great opportunity for Vic Fangio to really just let it loose. Three weeks in a row we're going against an offensive line that struggles against stunts. It's pretty incredible, but I'm excited to see exactly how creative Fangio can get here in this week. Now with Cleo Mack uh, returning, and not, he doesn't need to get overly cute, um, but still finding ways to confuse that offensive line, make them think just for a little bit more on any given down can be the difference between taking Stafford down for a big-time sack or allowing him to complete a deep ball. So you just never know. So I definitely think that's a huge key into this game. And looking at mine, I am looking at the battle inside the red zone because Detroit, they've struggled down there this season. They're 29th in the league, only scoring touchdowns on 44% of their red zone trips. But the Bears defense, too, they've struggled down there actually this year. They're 22nd in the NFL, allowing scores on about 63% of those red zone trips. And opposing quarterbacks have actually had it pretty easy going up against our Bears defense in the red zone because so far this year, they're combined for a 126.1 passer rating with nine touchdowns and no interceptions when getting inside the 20-yard line. So zero of the Bears' 14 interceptions this season have come in the red zone. So obviously, if Detroit moves the ball down there, uh, look for some of these uh, you know, corners, the secondary, the linebackers who really need to step up to really make life a little bit more difficult for Stafford. And I know the Lions have struggled in the red zone, um, but the Bears' defense, too, it struggled down there. So let's see if the, how that battle in the red zone kind of pans out. All right, Nick, over to you. Who's going to be your X-Factor for the Bears' defense? X-Factor? I'm going to go with Leonard Floyd in this one. I think this is his breakout game. Going against, if it is Taylor Decker, that left tackle for the Lions, it's a great opportunity for him to finally get that first sack of the season and alongside Khalil Mack is just going to elevate that play. He's not a lot of the attention is going to go to Khalil Mack, even if he is coming off of injury. This is Leonard Floyd time to just get after the quarterback, get Stafford, and he has a good matchup with Taylor Decker. So I'm going to definitely give it to Leonard Floyd in this one to be my X factor. I like it. You know, I, when you just said that, I realized that this is probably going to be the game for the first time all season where you're going to have Khalil Mack and Leonard Floyd, both fully healthy, ready to go because early on in the year, it was Floyd with the hand. And then it was Mac with the ankle, and then it was no Mac, and now we have both back. So for yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how both these players can perform with both of them being healthy. What about you, B? I want to know how many times I think I think each of us has now said once that this is going to be Leonard Floyd's breakout game. I know I've said it <laughs> too once too many times. All yeah. right, uh, so hopefully that actually happens. But my X factor in this is going to be Eddie Goldman, excuse me, because I mean we've said it probably I don't know. 10 times at least because the Lions gave up 10 sacks last week. Uh, so if he's really able to uh, generate some pass rush up the middle, some unexpected pass rush up the middle, uh, I mean, this it's just going to be a free-for-all. The defense is just going to pin their ears back all game long, especially if Eddie Goldman can uh, start to uh, begin his pass rush uh, ability as well. We know that he can do it. Uh, he's got nine and a half for his career. I think his rookie year he had four and a half. Uh, he's only got one this year, so I'd just see him get back in that that sack column uh, a couple times at least in this one. I think that would really open up the defense as a whole, and I don't know that there's a, a way for the Detroit offense to match that. It was another reason why it's huge to get Khalil Mack back. And again, I, I, I keep going back to this, but just thinking um, on the spot here, uh, you get him back, and if they want to double-team him, which they will, I mean, you're going to want to put extra bodies on him, and they already don't have Golden Tate, and they already are down weapons, they're going to have to use one of those weapons to block Khalil Mack. 
they're going to have to take one receiver out of the equation each and every play. So the Bears' defense should have a very favorable matchup, no matter if they're going to try to take Mack out of the equation. and That's fine. Hopefully some other pass rush can get there. But it's going to make the secondary's job that much easier as well. Just another way that Khalil Mack's going to impact uh, the game plan for both sides of the ball. And I'll say this. The tight ends for the Detroit Lions, when blocking are not very good at their job. So if you're putting, even if you're putting a double team, are you really adding that much when you're adding whoever it may be to Cleo Mack's side? They just didn't show that they can block opposing, you know, pass rushers. So that's going to be in favor of the Chicago Bears as well. I really want to give Khalil Mack my X Factor for all the different reasons that he's going to impact this game. But again, we feel like that's always going to be the obvious to given. So if I'm going to go to option B here, I'm going to go with Kyle Fuller because he's going to have his hands full uh, with both of those outside receivers, depending on the play, either Galladay or, of, co- of course, Jones Jr. And for Fuller, he's been the most targeted corner on the team, and I think that's not going to stop despite him having such a great game against the Bills. Uh, so if he can continue that strong play, that confident play, making plays on the ball, having tight coverage, and then the Bears' defense, uh, they should be able to have uh, this Detroit Lions offense off the field in a hurry because outside of these outside guys, there's no one really to worry about, for at least in terms through the year. We'll talk about the running I mean, we already talked about the running backs, but you know that even then, it's not great. All right, guys, it's time to find out who has the edge, and I'm going to be up first. I have the Bears pass rush versus the Lions pass protection. Well, they gave up 10 sacks last week, which I know was by far, I think it was like almost a franchise mark for them. It could have actually tied a franchise high. And we got Khalil Mack back this week. Easy. Mack's back. Bears have the edge. Simple as that. Nick, you're up. Bears secondary, Lions passing attack. I'll give it to the Bears secondary. I already talked about how I'm not too uh, afraid of what the Bear, what the Lions are bringing at wide receiver and even at tight end now. Um, Galladay and Jones Jr., they're good receivers, but losing Golden Tate really impacts what they're able to do uh, in the passing game. So I'm going to give it to the Bears secondary, who you know has been playing really well as a unit as of late. Brandon, did you just grab the broom? I grabbed something else. Oh, okay. So anyway, you have the Bears run defense versus the Lions ground game. I grabbed a boot. Because this is what the Lions are going to have to do, I think, for the majority of the game is they're going to have to punt away with the punter, <laughs> give it the boot. Uh, because I have the Bears run defense in this one. They're, I mean, the Lions' rushing attack is bottom half in the league. Bears defense is top five. With everybody healthy that we've already talked about, it is just going to be incredibly difficult, I think, even for their guys to get to the edge. I just don't know how the Lions are even going to really find running room. They're going to have to rely on throwing the ball, I think, a lot in this one. So I give it to the Bears run defense. All right, we have a clean sweep, and for the first time on the show, Brandon whipped out the boot. So that's uh, <laughs> unexpected. I'm intrigued, and I also feel like I'm stopped at a red light with the firefighters coming down uh, trying to get some donations. <laughs> that's what's going in. That's in the chat right now, the boot. So you just – another boot. thing. Started a thing. The boot. the boot. And I had, like, the armband, but that kind of went away. So we did get armbands at the game, though. When we went Should to Miami, we got those, we did. those so that never started, but continue, Will. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to continue. I'm going to roll right in a halftime because I got to tell our listeners a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Football is back, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game all season long. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. And as you know, all the Bears brothers have the SeatGeek apps on our phones and our devices. By far the easiest way that we've been able to purchase, uh, purchase tickets um, for concerts, for sports, for, for the Bears, from some other sports like the Bulls, Cubs, Sox. Um, no matter where you live, too, your local teams, if you're a Bears fan, um, you know, for 
uh, but you live somewhere else, uh, SeatGeek has plenty of opportunities near you as well. And before the show, I was just checking SeatGeek. There's still tickets are running out fast. Uh, there's no other way to put this for the Bears against the Lions, Bears against the Vikings coming up these next two weeks. And if you want to go see either the Bears this Sunday or catch them in prime time against the Vikings, hurry up and head over to SeatGeek because there are just a few amazing deals left. And I encourage you to look soon before these amazing deals are no longer available. And of course, every ticket purchased is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. And the best part of all is that our listeners get $20 off that first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code BEARS today. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All right, you're listening to the Bears Brothers Podcast. We are breaking down the Bears game against the Detroit Lions here in Week 10, previewing everything you need to know on both sides of the ball. We just finished up our discussion on the Bears defense, and now it's time to turn the table over to the Bears offense. And let's go ahead and just begin our discussion uh, with my man Mitch. He's only competing, uh, completing 54.5% of his passes over the past three games. Um, he has thrown five touchdowns and three interceptions in that span. And Detroit, they do a good job at limiting quarterbacks, only allowing 215 yards per game, but they aren't forcing a lot of turnovers. So even though they keep the yardage down, they're really unable to make quarterbacks pay. And in fact, they have a very gaudy uh, 7.2 touchdown percent given up this year. And uh, the average pass rating against that Detroit Lions defense is 112.5. So, Nick, I'll go to you first. I want to know what kind of game are you expecting from Mitch this week? And remember last year, um, his final game against Detroit was one of his perhaps worst performances of his career with the three interceptions. But I think we can all agree that he is a different player than he was at that point last year. Yeah, different player. And I'm looking at this Detroit defense. I don't see a lot of playmakers. There's Darius Slay. There's a couple of guys on there. But it's overall not a very uh, frightening unit in terms of the guys that they have on there. And like you mentioned, uh, QB passer rating, 112.5. That's in favor of Mitch Trubisky right now. And I think with what Detroit's just bringing in general – I think the Bears are going to have a lot better a lot better day than they did in the past, and this is with a new offense. Just a fun fact, Kyle Fuller has more interceptions than the whole entire Detroit Lions team, which <laughs> is, is a fun pretty. Fact. That is, it's four to, I think, four to three. So they don't turn the ball over like you said, Will, and there's just not a lot of playmakers. So I'm thinking Mitch Trubisky in this offense should have a far better day than they had last year. Especially when I think he threw three interceptions in that game, so it just was not fun to watch. No, it wasn't. But uh, for me, I'm looking at a uh, in terms of projecting forward. I'm looking for a clean game out of him because he might not have eye popping numbers as Detroit does limit the numbers overall, especially yards. Um, but I think he's going to move the ball when he's needing uh, when he's need to when he's asked for him to do it. And he's going to keep the offense heading in the right direction and. Real quickly, Detroit, they have allowed two or more throwing touchdowns in four of their last five games. So he has an opportunity here to make uh, you know, Detroit pay and make some plays. And uh, I'm very excited to see uh, just what he can do now because you know he, did, he didn't have to do a lot against the Bills, but I think he's going to have to do more this week in order for the Bears to win. So for me, just continual growth from Trubisky is all I need. And right now I'm not really worried about him and the matchups that are going to present itself in this game for uh, our quarterback. But what about you, Brandon? This the secondary is really interesting for Detroit uh, because they've played together for a long time. I don't know if you guys have realized that mm-hmm. uh, they've all been playing together since 2015, at least some of the guys have been there a little bit longer. Uh, but like you said, they don't turn the ball over. They don't allow a whole lot of yards, uh, but they allow a pretty high completion percentage. They allow quarterbacks to complete 68 uh, percent of passes thrown in their way, which is sixth worst in the league. So it's really kind of interesting. I, I think it's really come down to, to clean route running and Mitch just being on point with his throws. 
and outside of that, I mean, I don't know what else you can do in the passing game. Uh, I mean, we could try these these deep passes. Obviously, not scared to do it. We know we can connect with Taylor Gabriel deep, uh, but it's just going to be really interesting to see uh, who ends up being the hot receiver in this one. Because I mean, like I said, the Lions secondary they've been together for a while, and they've got a very cohesive unit there. So I'm taking them a little bit more seriously than I think Nick might be. Uh, I mean, they don't turn the ball over a lot, but they don't allow uh, much yak. I would say is the reason why they don't allow many yards. So I. I I really wish I could say there's going to be one receiver or Mitch is going to do well or not do well. Uh, it's I think it's really going to come down to a lot to the running game as far as how well the passing game goes, playing complementary offensive football. Well, you're alluding to it, you know, Mr. Spoiler Alert at his finest right there, but I do believe that this is going to be a game where the Bears can establish a run, and that's why, I, number one, you don't see a lot of yards against Detroit through the air because teams have been able to run the ball all over them. And two, um, I do believe that if we do that, it's going to be the same exact scenario. But I want to look at the Bears' weapons through the air this week because – Again, this is a secondary. They're not as fearful as it was a year ago, despite being the same core group. And our guest on Tuesday said that the Lions, they've been running a ton of man coverage, which is different compared to what they used to do in the past. So it's going to be a lot of mano y mano come Sunday. So it's going to be down to these playmakers uh, for Allen Robinson, Trey Burton, Anthony Miller, Taylor Gabriel to make some good plays on their own in some of these situations. And then once they're open for Trubisky to either anticipate that happening on that break and putting a perfect pass or just being accurate in general, because no matter what you're going to do more times than not, there's going to be a defender within close proximity of these receivers. But the Lions secondary, they do give up 12.5 yards per catch and they do allow some big time balls. They've allowed 25 passes of 20 plus so far this year. So, Nick, over to you. I know Brandon says he's having a hard time looking at some specific players who might stand out, but do you have any matchups that you're paying attention to or any players that you want to exploit? Oh, yeah. One one of their uh, cornerbacks, number 31, Tease Tabor. Mm-hmm. That guy is not very good at what he does. He's like the Marcus Cooper of the Detroit Lions. He That's might how be bad worse. He, he might be he worse. He might be worse. He, every ball that was thrown his way last week was caught. And this guy just has – he struggles with staying connected to – opposing wide receivers so he is a liability out there so anybody anybody who's lining up out there put josh bellamy out there i will take <laughs> him over tease tabers that's how bad he was and even at times in that game minnesota vikings they didn't complete a lot of passes in that one but even darius slay their best cover corner he it was uh i forget it. i think it's right whoever they have in minnesota their third wide receiver he was actually making some plays on him and he actually dropped a huge ball that went de- went deep but they're beatable. They can get these receivers can get past these corners. I don't think it's that good of a unit, especially when you have tease taper. And then the other guy who's also, uh, you know, the depth on that, that DB's roster, I guess, Deshaun Sheed, also not a guy that I'm really confident in. So I think the bears, they have the weapons to exploit these uh, matchups against the Detroit Lions secondary. Do you know who I would put on tease taper? Who the best damn route runner on the team? I don't even think you need to do that. Anthony Miller, probably. Anthony Miller, yeah. I think Anthony Miller can have a heyday against Tease Tabor with that route running ability. Turn him around and just take off. I mean, honestly, it's going to be that simple. And hopefully the Bears see that, and hopefully that can they can execute that come Sunday because when I'm watching Tease Tabor, he gets confused. He's slow to react. And when you have a precise route runner like an Anthony Miller, that's the way to make him pay because you can beat him with the speed from Gabriel. You can beat him with some of the body size that you're going to get from Allen Robinson. But if you really want to make Detroit pay, you put your best route runner on him, and that's going to be Anthony Miller. So I'm looking for a big day out of Miller. And just a couple more things I would do through the year. Number one, Trey Burton versus some of these linebackers. Detroit, they've given up four touchdowns to tight end this year, and they have given up a ton of yards to tight ends as well. 50-plus to tight ends in four of their last six games. So 
definitely a game that where Trey Burton can make his impact. And speaking of speed, speaking of Taylor Gabriel, I would attack Glover Quinn over the top because it's been reported, it's been documented. Our guest on Tuesday acknowledged the fact that it seems like he's lost his step. He's a little bit slower than he used to be in some years past. So with this man coverage and with Taylor Gabriel's speed, they're going to put a safety over the top to kind of limit those big plays. So if they do it with Glover Quinn, do it. I don't care if he hit the pass or not, but just attack him deep. Make him worry about it because I bet you you can get over the top of Glover Quinn if you're Taylor Gabriel with that really quick speed. And if it's not Taylor Gabriel, Tariq Cohen as well sneaking out in a wheel route might be the perfect way to go ahead and combat some of this Glover Quinn regressing and with his speed. Uh, B, anything else? You, I know you said you had an issue uh, finding anything, but uh, if there's anything else we didn't hit on, I was going to give you the opportunity. I don't get too much on everything. I agree that Tease Tabor is definitely the weakest one, and I was going to say Anthony Miller, or depending how they uh, line up, uh, Tariq Cohen as well would be another guy that would be a very favorable matchup there as well, so definitely one worth exploiting. Look at that. I feel I, You're validating me, and that you shouldn't do that. I'm just feeling good. Yes, uh, I was I was swayed. Shoulders, no, shoulders are uh, you know cocking back a little bit. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I do need to breathe. I need a better posture as I'm doing these podcasts. That's all it's about. All right. Let's move on to the Bears rushing attack. They've been getting more production out of Jordan Howard in the last two weeks, and this week does smell like it could potentially be that quote-unquote breakout game for Howard as the Lions run defense well. To sum it up in one word, it's weak. They allow 143 yards per game on the ground, third most in the NFL, and they have a hard time containing that big play as they've given up a league-high five rushes of 40-plus. And that's a big reason, of course, behind that second. Uh, they rank second in the NFL in terms, and I guess by second, I mean 31st, um, in yards per against per rush, which is 5.1. So the Bears' offense should be able to establish a run if they want to, if Matt Nagy actually wants to set a tone and do that. Uh, Brandon, I'll go to you first. What are your expectations for Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen going up against uh, Detroit's very porous run defense? Yes, very porous. Uh, I think this is definitely one where we can get over 120 yards rushing. You tweeted out a great stat this afternoon that the Lions are 0-5 when they give up 120 or more yards uh, in a game. So I, I think this is definitely an opportunity where all three of our uh, runners, uh, Trubisky, Howard, and Cohen, could all really uh, benefit here because their linebacks are just so weak at run defense. When I'm, when I'm watching tape, like they stay in their gap, but then they don't go into the gap they just kind of stay on the outside there and kind of wait to see what happens and they let the running back come attack them rather than them attacking the running back which on defense is what you're not supposed to do I would rather go tackle the guy rather than get trucked by a Jordan Howard because ultimately we've seen Jordan Howard last week against the Bills he initiated contact first and he almost got into the end zone on that 18 yard run uh so I think that it's definitely an opportunity for Jordan Howard to have a good day because they're not gonna they're not gonna attack those gaps they're gonna wait for him and that's just exactly what Jordan Howard wants well, he did get in the end zone on an 18-yard run. He did get in the end zone on that one. That's right. <laughs> I was making sure. I was like, that was a touchdown. Let's not take that back. We need those yes. touchdowns from Jordan <laughs> Howard. Uh, what about you, Nick? Uh, what, what are your expectations? Are you feeling as confident as uh, Brandon and myself? I don't, I don't know how you couldn't. No, this is the game where the running game just breaks loose, and it's going to start Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen, whoever, whoever wants a part of it, they're going to be a part of it. And Brandon, you said it perfectly. When I was watching film on this Detroit Lions defense, I looked at number 40. Jared Davis, former first-round pick out of Florida, that guy does not move. He just reacts very slowly. Like you said it perfectly, he allows the contact to come to him. When he's the, and supposed to be an instinctive linebacker going up, filling the gap, he just doesn't do that. I've seen paint uh, drive faster than he reacts, <laughs> which is just – it shows what, he, what kind of player he really is. It just doesn't matter what play it is. Sometimes he's not even moving there. 
And it's and even, it's it got me mad watching him on, be so bad. <laughs> even on pass plays, like he doesn't move, he doesn't pick up his guy at all out of the backfield. So something else to watch for as far as running backs coming out of the backfield. Be his receiving. feet yeah. are bricks. His feet are bricks, and when linemen go up to that second level, it's it he's done. It's over with. He's not a good linebacker. Let's just put it. It's it's simple as that. Former first round pick out of Florida. That's not working out. So I think the Bears, this rushing attack, is going to be able to do whatever they want. They also have Christian Jones, former Chicago Bear, who also sometimes gets uh, plays in the middle there. At times, he's looked lost. So I'm not worried at all about these inside linebackers. And again, that defensive line for the Detroit Lions, they're movable. They're definitely movable. This Bears offensive line should be able to have their way with them. That's why I'm just seeing that the Bears rushing attack, best game of the year is going to happen right here uh, in Chicago against the Detroit Lions. I think the player that's going to give us the most fits is going to be a Damon Harrison, especially without Kyle Long. Oh, yeah. I think it's going to be a lot on Cush uh, to find a way to you know move him, displace him, and uh, because if they're going to have to double team him with a Cody Whitehair, then you're going to of course allow one of these extra linebackers to run free. But I anticipate Cush being able to hold his own, and if so, yeah, the Bears should be able to run at will uh, so far on Sunday and. The Lions, they have a very good front, um, but I, what I've read too, at least what Matt Pritchard has been saying, is this very poor execution from this defense. They just have a very poor, hard time um, executing, which of course is a very Detroit thing to do. Uh, so for <laughs> me, uh, looking, I'm not really worried. And just, you know, Brandon, you mentioned it, you know, the Lions are 0-5 when they've given up at least 120 yards on the ground. Uh, another stat on top of that that I didn't share on Twitter is that the Lions have given up 170-plus yards on the ground three times so far this season out of their eight games played. So plenty of opportunity for the Bears to carve up the, the Lions on the ground, which, again, goes back to that point I wanted to make earlier that I don't anticipate Trubisky having big numbers because I don't think he's going to need them this week. All right, I had two real quick. Well, before you can. We get, feel free. Yeah, just uh, another guy to watch in that defensive line is Ashawn Robinson. He's got 22 tackles on the year. I don't know if you guys seen that play where uh, Latavius Murray was able to spin out of his tackle for a loss, speaking of execution. Uh, but he almost went in there almost untouched, which is really weird in a goal line situation. Mm-hmm. So uh, if he's moving that quick, that screams you know quickness off the snap. But how often does that happen, and why couldn't he tackle Murray in the backfield? So back to the execution thing, that's all. All right, and let's go to that offensive line because I'm curious to get a little bit more take on these battles up front because um, it's going to be that second straight week without Kyle Long, and last week they did allow some pressure. I'm looking at the tackles there. Charles Leno Jr. too had one of his, uh, no, it was his his roughest outing of the entire season, and he's going to have his hands full against uh, Iggy Anza in the place that he's in there. I know he's coming back from an injury. He's still in a very limited role, um, but when he's out there, he's making an impact, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, at least 60% of the places out there, he's getting a pressure. It's a very small, small sample size. I think it was less than like 10 snaps, uh, pass rush snaps. But still, when he's out there, he's finding a way to get the most of them. And the interior of the line, too, is going to uh, Damon Harrison, uh, Deshaun Han. Um, Han's a really decent pass rusher as well. And Harrison, again, he's that brute run stuffer. Um, but just some guys to kind of keep your eye on this week. But uh, Brandon, over to you. Um, are there any matchups in particular that uh, you're going to be kind of zoning in on? I'm going to be watching uh, both tackles against Devin Kennard and Romeo Okawara. Not paid to pronounce names, uh, but they both uh, have they both have ten ta- or ten sacks combined between the two of them. So we got to really watch the edges there. And I'm not too concerned about the interior guys like you were saying because Damon Harrison, Ricky Jean, Francois, and Ashawn Robinson only have three combined sacks. So I think they'll have a lot more success up the middle. It is going to be a little tougher on Eric Cush because Damon Harris Harrison is a, a bigger guy. Uh, but overall, I mean, I'm not concerned about the interior guys. Really, really more looking at Devin Kennard and Romeo Okawara. 
Uh, even though Hand doesn't have a ton of those uh, sacks, he does give a lot of, get a lot of pressure. So he's not able to you know hit home. He's not able to finish sometimes, but he is disrupting the quarterback. Uh, so that's Sousa, why I'm paying attention to him. But Nick, I want to hand it over to you. Oh, I like that. Um, but I mean, I think it, it starts off with Damon Harrison. It's the guy they they obviously got in uh, what a couple weeks ago, and he's he's done some really good things. He's just tough to move. He's just I think he's uh about twenty pounds heavier than Eddie Goldman. To put that in perspective, Eddie Goldman's like three hundred twenty pounds, so he's a heavy guy. Um, so I think if, if the Bears want to have success running the football, and it's going to start with moving him. And that's that, that. That's a tall task to do, but it was done. The Minnesota Vikings actually did a pretty good job of it. They got some b- pretty big runs that were able to happen. So if you move him, I think that's the main focus right now. Even though he is new, and the big thing is he's not an every down player. He plays about I think seventy percent of the snaps. So you're not going to worry about him every single down like some of these other defensive players. So that's going to play in the benefit of the Chicago Bears. Absolutely. Uh, Nick, how about you? Uh, anything else in your notes as I see you're leaving the screen? Sorry, I, I, I got a pop-up on my screen saying you need to charge your laptop. And I'm like, huh, it's not charged. It, it wasn't. So I'm glad that I you know, figured that out uh, sooner rather than later. But uh, okay. that's about it. I mean, this, like I said, this Detroit Lions defense overall doesn't scare me. They don't have too many playmakers. And I think a big thing that's going to work here for in uh, just to combat this Lions defense, what I've seen in the film play action these secondary players just freeze up when they see play action for some reason even the linebackers as well and that's going to be something that the bears are going to want to utilize so matt nagy this is a game i said vic fangio should be creative i think matt nagy and i know i've said to not be creative as much but this is a game where you can definitely utilize this because this is giving the lions problem you're going to play to your play to your strengths and play to their weaknesses so i think this is a great opportunity for matt nagy to be a little bit more creative especially with his play action have trubisky's back to the defense, so you sell that run fake and then just throw it deep over the top, like you're saying over the safety. I forgetting his name right now. That's uh, step Glover slower. Quinn. Glover Quinn. See, he's not even a factor for me. So that's how you know that the Bears are gonna have a good day on offense. There we go. And you know, it's a big way to uh, have play action and especially have it be effective. Establish a run. So hopefully that all comes to fruition on Sunday. Good stuff there to play action. I agree. That's gonna be a very pivotal. Uh, aspect of the game if you want to get Trubisky going that's gonna be the perfect way to do it against this defense what about you B anything else in your notes either about the Bears offense Detroit Lions defense that you want to make sure our listeners know I'm just really excited for the Bears speed on offense to go up against uh what I didn't realize was such a slower uh Lions defense just the front seven they just don't move very fast like we said Jared Davis he's got bricks for feet uh Christian Jones we know what he can do we could pick on him if we want to uh, Glover Quinn, like we just said, so I'm going to say it a third time, losing a step, not as quick as he once was. So I'm I'm really excited to see what the speed guys are going to be able to do against this defense. There we go. I'm looking at the red zone again here because I think this is the game. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night for a limited time save up to five hundred dollars on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic get full offer details at Tempur-Pedic.com game where the Bears can really execute and execute well because over the last three games we have scored touchdowns on 81 percent of our red zone trips in Detroit over the same exact three game span they've given up touchdowns on 75 percent of the red zone trips so they're not really 
Uh, a wall of steel, once you get down inside the 20, they're more like a, you know one of those revolving doors. You can just walk in, walk out. Uh, they're more like that. And the big reason why I'm looking at this is because Allen Robinson returning, um, even though he's been gone for two games, he's still second in the team in red zone targets. So once the Bears get down there, look for them to start feeding him a little bit more like they used to earlier on this season. And hopefully the big body receiver can come up with some of those 50-50 balls in some tight coverage or not so tight coverage if it can get behind the defense as well. But uh We'll find out on Sunday how that all pans out. But real quick, let's go ahead and hand out some X-Factors. And I'll go ahead and begin. My X-Factor this week for the Bears offense is going to be Trey Burton. And hopefully no one else had Trey Burton this week. And it looks like I'm in uh, nope. I'm in clear water. That's very exciting. I didn't want to steal anyone. I just wanted to go ahead and go first. Um, but like I said, the Lions, they've given up um, a lot of yards to tight ends. They've given up a decent amount of touchdowns this year. Trey Burton leads the team with his five touchdown receptions. And I anticipate him being heavily involved in this offense against some of these slower linebackers, getting behind them. And, of course, if it's going to be man coverage, I believe this is why you brought in a Trey Burton, someone who can beat a linebacker in coverage, someone who can beat a safety in coverage. So, for me, Trey Burton should have a favorable matchup for the vast majority of this game over the middle of the field, an area where he's been able to really make defenses pay. So, for me, Trey Burton's going to be a great X factor because even though Allen Robinson's back, I still think Trey Burton is that quote-unquote go-to guy, that security blanket on those third and longs. Look last week against the Bills for a perfect example of that. Third and 19, you found Trey Burton for 26 yards to pick it up. So for me, Trey Burton's going to be my X factor. Uh, Let's go to Nick. How about you? It's got to be Jordan Howard for me. I'm expecting a huge day on the ground from from both Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen, but I think Jordan Howard just stepped for success with the middle linebackers that he's going to face, and I think that the offensive line is going to be able to do the job and generate some holes. It's going to be the best game for Jordan Howard. I'm going to say that right now. So I think he's definitely going to be the X factor in this one. All right. And B, how about you? I'm going to say the offensive tackles in this one. I could have said the whole line, but I'm not as worried about the interior line. So I'm going to say the offensive tackles uh, because Devin, Devin Kennard and Romeo Okawara, like I said earlier, they have the 10 combined sacks. The team as a whole has 24 sacks in here, which is the same amount as the bears just to really put it into perspective. So let's not overlook the pass rush as much as we're not worried about it. Uh, it's something that can't go overlooked. So as long as the tackles uh, can do their job and keep Trubisky upright, then I think the offense is going to have a really good day. All right, good stuff, guys. It's time to find out who has the edge. And Nick, you're up first. I'm going to give you the Bears pass protection versus that Lions pass rush. Like I said, I think the Bears are set up with what these pass rushes have done. Yes, they have 24 sacks, same amount as the Bears. But last week, they weren't really able to get to the Minnesota Vikings, Kirk Cousins. And that's not a very good offensive line. And even against Seattle, again, Russell Wilson likes to run around. That gives you more susceptible to getting sacks. But I just think the way they've been playing the last two weeks and then how the Bears offensive line, they had their struggles in Buffalo, but I think they'll they'll rebound from that. Charles Leno had a, a game that he hasn't had all season, and you now you're playing the first game without Kyle Long, and that's what it kind of looked like. Now it's another week trying to get acclimated, get that chemistry going. So I'm going to give it to the Bears uh, pass protection. Being at home is going to be a big help to Charles Leno Jr. this week, rebounding mm-hmm. from the three false starts, too. So good good stuff there, Nick. And, Brandon, I'm going to pass it over to you. I'm going to give you the Bears pass attack versus that Lions secondary. I'm going to give it to the Bears passing attack because it's anybody, I guess, going up against Tease Tabor. I guess I really overlooked him in my notes as far as how bad he is. Uh, I think Anthony Miller can really have a heyday. The linebackers are just slow, so we could really dump it off to Trey Burton or any of the running backs. Treat Cohen is also set up that really good day if they put a linebacker on him or anybody that's not a, an outside corner on him. I think that the receivers are poised to set up and have a good day, and once the rushing attack gets established off the play action, I mean, these wide receivers are going to be open. All right, and this leaves me. I have the Bears' ground game versus the Lions' run defense. 
It's a cakewalk. It's easy. Giving up over 140 yards on the ground per average. The Bears are just now starting to find their groove, getting Jordan Howard back. You have to give the edge to the Bears here, and hopefully, uh, like Nick said, Jordan Howard has his best game of the entire season coming up this week. All right, let's look at special teams real quick for a, ki- a quick hit. I'll just begin with the news that we talked about earlier on Tuesday with our guests, but the Lions fired their special teams coach earlier this week. Uh, they've been penalized a ton in the third phase. Uh, they have some very porous coverage units, so I think it could be a potential big day returning the ball for us, looking at Tariq Cohen, someone who's been so close this year from taking a punt return back to the house. Maybe this is the week to do it, but regardless, he should have a very decent uh, return average this week, at least in terms of returning punts. What about you, Nick? Do you have anything else that you want to mention about the special teams for both sides? I mean, we're always going to be looking at Cody Parkins and seeing what he does. Will, do you know if they hired someone in-house for the Detroit Lions' new special teams coordinator? Do they bring someone outside? Do you know that? I do not know uh, okay. 100%. Well, I'm assuming, yeah. though, it was just someone got promoted in-house. Most likely, because regardless, in-house or outside, that's not usually a good thing to have. Fire somebody, now get ready for, for this week's game with special teams, especially a unit that has been struggling. So I'm with you. I'm expecting some you know better things out of the special teams. Let's not have those penalties, those illegal blocks in the backs, and have Tariq Cohen go upfield. I know he's he's made some miraculous returns, but it'd be nice for him to go north rather than east and west. Mm-hmm. It's, I, like, I still love that tweet, though. The Bears did with that like emoji meter. That was so cool. That was really cool. It was very accurate, too. Yeah. All right, how about you, B? Anything else? I just would like to see a third phase make some sort of game momentum changing contribution of the game because we graded them yesterday. We all said average. So let's see them play above average, see if they can sway us a little bit. All right. I agree 100%. All right, let's hand out some predictions. And, of course, we have to start with our Week 10 bold prediction. And let's go to Nick first because I think Brandon's medicine has him uh, coughing up a lung over there. Yeah, and I, I... Of course, you go to me when I have none. But here we go. Bold <laughs> prediction. I had X, uh, Leonard Floyd as my X-Factor on defense. This is game, breakout game for Leonard Floyd. So it's a breakout game for Leonard Floyd and Jordan Howard. But for my bold prediction, Leonard Floyd gets two sacks and a fumble recovery. Very nice. I like that a lot. Uh, mine's going to be your other X-Factor, Nick. I have Jordan Howard. Uh, not only does he get his first 100-yard rushing day of the season, but he goes off for 200 and oh, two scores. I- I'll take that. He's on my fantasy team, and it's usually going to be a Bears win if he's going for 200, I would assume. Uh, yeah, I, w- I would say so <laughs> as well. Uh, what about you, B? Any bold predictions? I have the running back scoring all the points minus the extra points, so all the touchdowns, I guess, uh, in this game. Three, three Cone and Jordan Howard will score all the touchdowns in this game. All right. I like that a lot. That's a really good bold prediction. That's a very creative one, too. Who's going to end up as this week's MVB? Because I think, uh, obviously, if Howard puts up the numbers that I had in my bold prediction... <laughs> I'd give it to him. But looking at everything overall, I think I'm going to go with Tariq Cohen because I like his shiftier style against the Lions defense as a hard time bringing down running backs in space, catching up to some of these quicker backs as well. And Cohen, he should be able to make his mark as a runner. I already mentioned why I think he can be able to be an impactful receiver this week. And of course, he has a very favorable matchup in the return game. So if he can capitalize in all three phases, uh, he'll be a big reason why we end up winning this game. So for me, I got to anticipate our MVB is going to be Tariq Cohen when it's all said and done come Sunday. What about you, B? Kyle Fuller has been playing very well, and I totally expect that to continue with the pass rush that's going to come. Stafford's going to have to get the ball out quick, not really make a second read outside of assuming he's going to throw Kyle Fuller's way a little bit more. I think Kyle Fuller is going to have a, a very big day. I think he gets another interception or two in this one. Oh, I like it. <laughs> Nick? I'm going to go with Jordan Howard. I think anytime you have inside linebackers that are hesitant on the opposing team, 
that's going to go in favor of Jordan Howard. Like you said, if you get him rolling, uh, he's not an easy guy to take down the open field. He will truck you. And I think Jordan Howard is set up to have, like I said, a, his best day as a bear this season. And if he's able to, you know, get to that second level, it's going to be pretty uh, sweet sailing for Jordan Howard in this bears offense. That's a good shirt idea. Jordan Howard. And then on the back, it says he will truck you up. let's get it going (laughs) there we go getting creative (laughs) over here all right let's find out who's going to win this game i think now we've been talking for about nearly an hour and i have a hunch where all these predictions are going to go based off this conversation but real quick to recap the standings i'm in the basement by myself i'm five and three and yes i'm still proud of it i've chose the bear so far Uh, (laughs) i did not go against them against new england like the other two guys here who were one game ahead of me at six and two uh so brandon and nick uh let's go with nick first because last week i know i started and then week before is brandon so nick you're up uh, the Bears are going to win this one. I think it's going to be pretty uh, you know, confidently, honestly. I think I'm predicting a 30-13 to 13 game. The Bears just take care of business. Defensively, they're able to shut down Stafford in this Lions rushing attack, and the Bears are able to put up some points and also create some turnovers. So 30-13 to 13 Bears. 30-13. to 13. All right, all right. What about you, B? Uh, I have the Bears as well, 28-17. to 17. I think a lot of those 17 points will come later in the game. Uh, I think the Bears really just going to have this one in the in the palm of their hands the whole time. All right. I have the Lions scoring 17 as well, but I have the Bears scoring 24. So I have the Bears winning this one as well. Uh, again, we've talked about it the whole show. They're a better team on in all three phases, and they should honestly find themselves coming out with the win. So the last thing we need to do is hand out our confidence meters and, of course, our final thoughts heading into kickoff. So, Brandon, you're first. Where's your confidence and your final thought? Uh, confidence meter is going to be an 8 and 5 eighths. Just throw a different number out there. Uh, I, there's just a, a lot of advantages that the Bears can take advantage advantage of here. Uh, we've got them winning in every every aspect and who has the edge. Uh, it's just a, I think it's set up to be a very dominating performance and I hope that they don't overlook this game. That is, I think going to be huge. If they come out firing at first, then they have this game in hand. No problem. But if they come out asleep a little bit, struggle to execute, uh, then I think it'll be a, a little bit longer game than we're going to anticipate. All right, Nick, where's your confidence? You know, I'm going to give this a nine. This is a matchup between rookie head coaches and Matt Nagy's unit just has better talent overall. When you look at this Lions roster and you look at this Bears roster, the Bears have the advantage, maybe other than like quarterback right now. And Stafford hasn't been playing that well. So he's just a veteran. That's all he's got on him with just knowing defense. So I'm just going to have to give it to the Bears. They are just a better team and they're playing better football. So I have to give it to the Bears and uh, nine, whatever I gave it, nine is, is a confidence meter. There we go. I have an eight and a half. Um, again, I wish I can say nine just. I feel like this is a divisional game. The Lions are going to come out, play a very tough one. So for me, I'm just a little bit lower, eight and a half. Um, but Detroit, they're a team that, you know, they lose. And when they do, it's due to poor execution. They're a team that beats itself. And for me, I think the Bears are going to want to find a way to capitalize off of it. Looking at the matchups again through on defense, I anticipate the Bears having their way against the Lions offense for, you know, Khalil Mack coming back, all the areas in which I said he's going to impact this team. And of course, uh, without Golden Tate, they don't have a go-to guy, so where are they going to go with the football? They didn't have anything to anywhere to go against the Vikings, and I don't think they solved the problem this week. So shouldn't be much of an issue. And, of course, the Bears on offense, not only should they be able to run up and down the field against Detroit, but Mitchell Trubisky, with some of the play action that Nick alluded to earlier in the show, should be able to make some very big, crucial throws when he's needing to. And at the end of the day, if the Bears don't win this game, it's going to go a long way towards – uh, kind of, I don't want to say derailing this season, but it's going to make their playoff push that much harder. And I know they're not looking that far ahead. They're taking it one game at a time. 
But if they want a shot at the postseason, this is a game you go out there and win. A, ho- a home game, a divisional game, you need to do it. I know you have three divisional games in a row, but if you lose the first one, it's going to make the other two just that much harder. So for me, eight and a half, um, but the Bears should find their way victorious when it's all said and done. All right, well, that's a wrap. Our Week 10 game preview is officially in the books. Make sure to let us know in the comments who you think will be the MVP, and, of course, which team you'll think will win. And, heck, if you have any, any bold predictions, we'd love to see what those are too. Up next, Will Ingles will walk you through his weekly five matchups to watch, and I'll follow that up by providing my three keys to the game. Now, I hope you enjoyed today's show, and we'll talk to you soon. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.